welcome to the Back Row Cowboys Show, a proud part of the Back Row Sports Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Back Row Cowboys Show, a part of the Back Row Sports Network. I'm your host, Adam, and across from me, as always, my co-host, Seth. Hey, what's up? And on today's episode, we'll be doing a seven-round mock draft. So, Seth, why don't you talk a little bit about the premise and um, lead us into it? Yeah, with this, uh, like Abo said, we did a seven-round mock. Um, we used the simulator from the the draftnetwork.com. Uh, there's no trades in this. It's just a straight, you know, pick them as you get them kind of deal. Um, I'm going to do a quick run through and tell you all what – what picks we have exactly, and um, well, let's just go with that. Uh, with our first pick, we're gonna we had the the seventeenth pick. Um, our second round pick is gonna be the fifty first pick. Our third round pick is gonna be the eighty second pick. Our fourth round pick is gonna be the hundred and twenty third pick. Our fifth round pick is gonna be uh, one sixty four. Um, we do have a second, uh, fifth round pick because uh, we do have a complimentary pick this year, and that's going to be at 179. And then we don't have a sixth round pick this year because, as uh, you Cowboy fans know, we did trade that to get uh, to acquire uh, Robert Quinn last year. And then my uh, last and final pick will be the seventh pick, our seventh round pick at 231. And uh, I guess we'll go ahead and. Get into it with the, our first-round pick at pick 17, and your guy, Bo, go for it. Yeah, at this pick 17, um, the number one player within the range of outcomes that I want the Cowboys to pick up at 17 was there. And uh, so we went with Calavon Kaysen from LSU. He measured in at six foot four, two hundred and fifty pounds. And while he played some outside linebacker in college, I think in the NFL he'll project in our defense as a defensive end, lining up across from Tank Lawrence. Now, I love this guy. You know, he's the guy I want at seventeen in the real draft, and I'm of the opinion I think we need to get much better pass rush to take this defense to the next level. Um, we've got some good corners. We've got some good secondary pieces we liked. You and I have discussed that on previous episodes. What I think we're missing is that pass rush. Now, we lost that when Robert Quinn left the team in free agency and went to the Chicago Bears. So I'd like to get a player that I think is a dynamic athlete that can be plugged right into that spot. He had some injuries in college. Uh, He lost one full season to a torn ACL. So, obviously, that's a question mark coming into the NFL. He also is very raw. Uh, He didn't start a ton of games, obviously, due to injury. As a true freshman, he came in and played some spot duty. So, he really didn't log a ton of starts until this year. But... He's a dynamic athlete that can make plays in the backfield. And I think with our defensive line, the way we've talked, Don Terry Poe, Gerald McCoy, Tank Lawrence, they're going to garner the attention. So he's really just going to have to win his one-on-ones. And I think he can win those one-on-ones. Even though he'll be lining up against left tackles, and obviously in our division there are some premier left tackles for now. Trent Williams is still with the Washington Redskins. 
Jason Peters is gone from the Eagles, but they did draft one last year with the 23rd overall pick to, to come in and take that position from Jason Peters. So I think that they're set at that position for the future. But, um, Seth, why don't you give us some notes on um, Kalevon? Yeah, you pretty much hit uh, the nail on the head there. Um, you know, I you know I watched a little bit of film, and you know, the thing that jumped out to me the most is his motor. He's got that high motor. He's, you know, even if he's not in the play as a pass rusher, you know, even if they run the ball to the other side, he's always there. Maybe not inside. Maybe not making the tackle, but he's there to, uh, you know, he's in pursuit. Um, you know his quickness too. I seen you know some film out uh, against Alabama, and he uh, his quickness around the edge. I really do like that, and I think that's going to benefit. I don't know that he is much of a power rusher. I think he's more of a speed guy. But you know, the, we'll see how that translates. The good thing is Tank Lawrence is a power guy. Yeah, and he's lining up on the opposite side, so. The one thing I can say, he has tremendous bend, very flexible, and he's good with his hands, even though he doesn't have a power move. And I think in today's game, you can win without that power move because we've already got a lot of power amongst the line. So maybe the speed element out of the defensive end position is something that we need to add. Yeah, and and a lot of people will look at his stats and say that, uh, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of sacks, you know. His, uh this past year, I think he only had about six and a half sacks. But just because he's not getting the sacks doesn't mean that he's not getting a ton of QB pressures. If you look at his film, you can see he's getting there. He's just not quite getting there. And sometimes, you know, you might not get the sack, but getting the pressure there can, you know, alter the play majorly. In the NFL, it's a matter of seconds. You know, if you get to a guy just a second early, you can disrupt the entire, you know, play on offense. So, also, with the pass rush we have coming from the interior with Poe and McCoy and then Tank Lawrence pushing him from the opposite side, I think the interior and then Lawrence is probably going to come back with a little bit of chip on, on his shoulder because last year he did not perform up to standards after signing the contract extension. Quinn was our best pass rusher, so I'm hoping Tank Lawrence comes back with a little bit of a chip, a little more fire. And so maybe those instances where he wasn't winning in college, he's going to win more now because teams are probably going to send more plays his his way because Tank is still going to get the respect. They're yeah. still going to remember the player from two years ago. Gerald McCoy, while he's aged, can still get the job done up the middle. And Don Terry Poe, has, even though he's kind of a big guy, more of a run stopper, he can still push the pocket from the middle. So I think those three elements will lead to more sacks just because of the less attention that side's going to garner. Yeah, I, and – Really, the biggest concern I have for him is how he's going to translate from that stand-up guy to hands-in-the-dirt guy. And, you know, only time will tell and see how that works out. But, you know, I'm hoping that he um, does as well as we hope we will. Now, I will say that was my biggest fear with T.J. Watt. 
I always thought T.J. Watt was going to project more as a 3-4 outside linebacker, and that's one reason why I wanted Taco. Obviously, Taco's on the second team, and T.J. Watt is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. And at least that size, speed, weight combination that Caleb Vaughn has, it's very similar to what T.J. Watt had in college. So maybe I'm loving this player because I think you know, I'm regretting not taking T.J. Watt two years ago. But I I think in this spot, with what's around him on the rest of the defensive line, I think we go ensure that defensive line and just make all four pieces of strength and let's get this defense to the second level, uh, to the next level. But, Seth, with the second-round pick, why don't you talk to us a little bit about who we took at 51? Now, the guy that we decided to take at 51 was Jeremy Chen, safety out of – Southern Illinois. Uh, like I told you before we even started, uh, I love this guy. The more I watch the film on this guy, the ball hawk mentality that he has, and the fact that he's just a he's a big 6'3", 220 safety. When's the last time we had a safety that big? The last time we had a safety that big that was also a ball hawk would be Darren Woodson. And everybody knows that that's been a long time ago. That's more than 20 years. Darren Woodson was our safety when we were winning Super Bowls. So that just to give you some context on how long it's been. Yeah, but not only is he just a big guy, he's a, a, a athletic freak. He clocked in at the combine at a four four five forty, And you don't see safeties that big that can get that kind of speed. And – I noticed, you know, watching a lot of his film that uh, not only is he a, a a ball hawk player, you know, he's he's very good his, at his angles. So even when he's coming across the field uh, to get somebody down, he always has the right angle, and you can see the speed. The speed just jumps out there. Uh, what uh, what else you got to add to it? I will also say he played some corner. In college, so that shows that he's got some fluidity in his hips for the safety position. Yeah. So I like the fact that he's big and strong over the middle and fast because if we pair him with like an Xavier Woods, Xavier Woods is a smaller guy. He's only five foot nine, plays in close to two hundred pounds, probably a shade under. So if we can put that big guy beside him, that. I don't want to say Cam Chancellor. Now, I love Cam Chancellor, but Cam Chancellor wasn't the best coverage guy. Yeah. Jeremy Chin has some coverage ability to him, but I'm talking about Cam Chancellor as far as weighing in at 220, 230 pounds, big, tall guy, 6'2", 6'3". And the college production here is something that we hope can translate to the NFL because I think that's one thing we need out of our safety position is another playmaker – and a guy that's willing to hit over the middle, maybe we can scheme him to where Xavier Woods isn't taking as many hits over the middle because that was one of the problems with him last year is he tried to be that enforcer over the little bit over the middle too much, and he's going to be susceptible to injury more just because of his size. Yeah, and, you know, his size uh, will allow him to play closer to the line too if we need to because uh, – you know, a lot of guys are projecting him to be a linebacker in the NFL. Now, of course, that you know, a lot of uh, linebackers nowadays they're they're able to play at that 
230, 240 range. And him right there at 220, that that allows us to uh, bring him closer to the line of scrimmage and wreak havoc up there too as well. So he's he's not just uh, ball hawking free safety. Uh, you know, we can put him up close to the line. And I, I watched uh, – a lot of film on this guy, and I noticed that he's he's a great open field tackler. Whether uh, screen plays or say running back breaks loose to the second level, and and it's just him one on one. I've seen him drop guys left and right. I, we need this in our secondary. I think he's just. I'm getting I'm getting tingling inside just thinking about this dude, and uh, you know, we are. They're projecting this guy to be possibly the first safety off the board. I don't see him being at 51, but that's what a mock simulator put us at. So, I don't know. What else you got to add to it? Another thing I'll add to him is with that coverage ability, we play in a division that has some very good tight ends. Um, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard from the Philadelphia Eagles, the best one-two punch at tight end in the NFL, um, they could both be number one tight ends. Uh, Dallas Goddard was the number one tight end prospect going into the draft the year he came out. So you've got him, you pair him with Zach Ertz. Then also the New York Giants have Evan Ingram, who a lot of people think are a top five tight end. Now, granted, he's had some injury concerns. But even when he went out, Caden Smith came in and played well in place of Ingram. And – Washington has some intriguing prospects. Jeremy Sprinkle, Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas is a hometown boy. He went to the high school that I went to um, and is four years younger than me. So I'm actually rooting for him this year for the Redskins, hoping he has a big season. But, you know, he can take a couple games off against us. Um, But I think Jeremy Chin, another thing that we haven't talked about, Seth, that I do want to include is some negatives, and he has had some minor injuries, and those minor injuries did lead to some missed games. So there is a question out there, can he play through the pain, which in the NFL you're probably 100% week one and probably never again until the offseason. He missed some games in 2019 due to a foot injury. He missed some games in 2018 due to a hamstring injury. And he missed some games in 2016 due to a shoulder injury. Now, we've already got one safety in Xavier Woods that has missed some games due to injury. But, Seth, how concerned are you with Chin's injury past? Uh, I always kind of look at it as, you know, the past is the past. Uh I don't want to completely disregard that because, you know, that is a concern. But, um, you know, things can change. I mean, anybody can have, you know, a few times here and there without the season when they get hurt and they just, for whatever reason, can't play or whatever. But it it, it doesn't necessarily uh, – follow you through your whole career now maybe this is one reason why he dropped a little bit you know those injury concerns have brought him down and i will add one last note before we go on and get into our third round pick he was invited to the senior bowl and coming from a small college like southern illinois a lot of people might say well he was a man amongst boys at a lower division but during the senior bowl he stood out he was right in there competing with the higher-level players. So it shows that he can play up to his competition. Because I know with a lot of small school players, that's the first thing that people want to point out as well. He dominated against lower talent. So, Seth, why don't you um, give your input on that? Yeah, I mean, 
it might be you know smaller smaller school talent, but the man still had 13 career interceptions. Um, and at 51, I think before the combine, I think we had a chance at actually getting him reality wise. Uh, but the combine, I mean, the numbers just went off the, the chart. You know, we've already talked to 40 times. Got a, the 41 inch vertical. He's got the 138 broad jump. That just shows the explosive that he has. And I think that kind of bumped him up a little bit higher. I think if we want him in reality, I think we're going to have to trade up to get him. But, you know, I was still happy we was able to get him even at this mock draft at 51. Okay, but, Seth, why don't we uh, move on to our third-round pick? And um, that third-round pick, why don't uh, you tell us who we took, uh, where he's from, give us some measurables, and uh, give us a little discussion on him. You know, with our third pick at the 82nd, uh, we took Bryce Hall, a corner from UVA. Uh, 6'1", 200 pounds, good length, long arms, a physical corner. Um, he missed most of uh, 2019 with an ankle injury. I think he only played six games. Um, overall, he's he's from what I've seen on film, he's a good man coverage and zone guy. He's patient in the zone. Um, he's also a ball hawk type player. Um, he didn't in 2018, which was his last full season, he did lead the league in pass deflections. Now, even though that didn't translate to interceptions, that's still a good sign of a ball hawk mentality. Um, and he was a second-team All-American that same year. Yeah. Um, but like I said, he, from what I've seen, uh, he's a really good zone guy. He He's really patient. He doesn't uh, jump things too early. He's He's – you know, he likes to sit back and make sure that uh, the play's not going to come back his way. And um, as far as man-to-man, uh, -man, uh, I mean, he's, he's not really much lacking there. But what do Well, you the one thing I will say about his man-to-man -man is he doesn't have the long speed. Yeah. he's He ran a mid-4-5, and a lot of people wonder how that's going to translate to the NFL if he goes up against a burner. But in 2018, after being, you know, the second-team All-American, leading um, college football and pass deflections, a lot of people had this guy mocked as a first-round pick. And I think his injuries in 2019 are what's bringing his draft stock down and maybe some fear with that long speed. But the way this mock's played out, we've added pass rush. We've added a speedster at safety to back him up along with Xavier Woods at the other safety position. And I think that speed coming out of the safety position will allow us to take Bryce Hall here in the third, who's a little more physical, likes to play that press man coverage. And in today's game, there's not a lot of off zone. They want corners disrupt, disrupting the wide receiver at the line of scrimmage. Because if you can bump a guy off a route, if you can make the play happen, just start. if you can start his route of that half second later, with the pass rush we have up front, maybe the guy never even gets into his route. So, Seth, what do you think about Bryce Hall? Yeah, I also noticed that on film as well. He, uh, he does ha uh, carry a physical presence about him at the line of scrimmage. He does – uh, really well at pressing the players off the line of scrimmage. 
And um, I don't know. We'll just have to see how it translates into the NFL. And like you said, we do have, uh, you know, we do have uh, Tony uh, Anthony Brown and uh, Cheeto and uh, Jordan Lewis. Jordan Lewis as well. And I think it'll fit in uh, pretty well. And you know, we'll see if if he can fight for that starting spot or not. I think Bryce Hall has a floor of being like a good number two. But you saw in 2018, there's some upside there to be our to be a number one. So if we can get a pass rusher we love in the first round and we can get a safety we love in the second round, I like Bryce Hall. I think he's got a tremendous amount of upside and can be a number one corner in today's NFL. And we've already said that with the hiring of Mike Nolan, our defense is going to be more physical, a little bit faster, which is not his strong suit, but that physicality, that get your hands on the wide receiver. He's going to have to fight you off to get into his route. I think that that projects perfect for our defense and that upside to be our number one corner. I'm intrigued. And four-year starter. I think a lot of people are, are discounting that. He started all four years, and he's a former wide receiver. So he understands route concepts. And I think a lot of people might not know that about him. Being a former wide receiver, he's going to obviously know tendencies that maybe can help him win in the NFL where his speed is maybe just a little bit lacking. Yeah, like I said, we'll uh, we'll see how that translates in the NFL. And like you said, uh, with the defense that we're looking to run, you know, with these first three picks, I think we've we've put ourselves in a better situation to be much faster and create turnovers and just be an all-around more physical defense. So We've said on previous shows that we think that our offense is ready to roll. We just need to shore up that secondary, that defensive line. And that's what we've done with these first three picks. Now, this fourth-round pick, there was a little back and forth between you and I. I wanted someone. You wanted someone else. You ended up talking me into this guy. So, Seth, why don't you give me his name, measurables, and some notes that you have on him? All right, with the fourth pick at 123, we took wide receiver Darnell Mooney out of Tulane. Uh, this guy is a little small. He's at 5'10 at 176. I'd like to see him be about 185 or so, gain about 10 or 15 pounds. But other than that, you know, I like everything about this guy. He ran a 4.3840 at the at the combine. <clears throat> and yes, um, he's another small school guy, but um w- one thing we've lacked for years is speed. We didn't haven't had speed at our slot position. You know, we've had of course we have you know, Cooper, he's not exactly slow, but you know, he's also our dominant wide receiver. He's going to draw them number twos. We need that that slot guy to stretch the field a little bit. You're, you're talking about game-changing speed. Yes, game-changing speed. Like, now I'm not going to compare him to Tyreek Hill, but he's got the speed of a Tyreek Hill. Well, Tyreek Hill is, I mean, that, that guy's an outlier. I mean, so, you know, you can't – I don't think it's fair well, to project anyone to Tyreek Hill. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm not comparing him, but I'm saying he has the speed. The one thing that you and I talked about when making this pick, our offense is a lot of 10, 12, 13, 14 play drives, which in the fourth quarter when you're up by four or five and you're just trying to grind the clock out and, and just slow the game down, 
that's fantastic. You know, having a Zeke, having an accurate quarterback like Dak, having receivers that are very physical on the ball, Cooper, Gallup. But every now and then you need that quick hit. Uh, Kansas City in the playoffs got down to every single team that they played. And one of the reasons why they were able to come back from those deficits is there were some drives that were three or four plays because they'd have that one quick hit over the top that would just set the tone for the drive. Now, if we can get a Darnell Mooney in the fourth round and be that speed guy, that down-the-field threat that we don't currently have as far as pure speed, I think that we can get some more drives that are a little bit quick hit. Yeah, um, his quarterback is was average at best there. Uh, Justin McMillan, he was the court, starting quarterback. He actually led uh, the team in rushing yards as well. So you could you see there was kind of more of a uh, run first team. Well, but his best uh, season was in 2018 uh, when he had he had 48 receptions for 993 yards and eight touchdowns, but he had that average of 20.7 yards per catch. We haven't had that in a while, and we need we need that guy to stretch the field a little bit more. Uh, the numbers dropped a little bit in 2019. Uh, he still had the same amount of receptions, uh, 700 and some odd yards, when it was only five touchdowns. But he had an average of his whole career of a 16.7 yards per catch. Now, Seth, at five foot ten, 170 some pounds. The one player that that reminds me of is Deshaun Jackson. Now, I'm not comparing this player to Deshaun Jackson. What I am comparing is are the measurables and the speed. Now, Deshaun Jackson was faster than that. But Deshaun Jackson has the ability to change a possession in one play. And that's something, like you said, we haven't had in this offense in years. And it's something we've had to see from Philadelphia in years past. We, we've lived and seen replays and been there watching live of Deshaun Jackson running past our corners. And if we can get that in our offense, I think that that can take our offense to a – it adds another level to our offense that we don't currently have. Yeah, and, you know, he's also a guy – you brought up Deshaun Jackson. He plays – he can play inside and outside. He did play both in college. It wasn't just strictly a slot spot that he played in. So that definitely helps his, uh, his chances. Plus uh, – He's to me. He's he's built for the slot. Like he's he's a perfect build for the slot. Like I said, I think he. I I wanted to add about ten more pounds, but everybody knows when you get in the NFL, you usually add you know a little more weight with muscle and everything else. And so, <clears throat> I think he'll be fine right there. Uh, another thing I noticed on film that he's he's uh, a really good route runner. He's he's uh, quick and smooth with his cuts and. Uh, the one thing that I did say when we were going over this draft that I did not realize right off the bat that he does not have any special team experience. But <clears throat> with his build and his agility and his quickness, I think that he will benefit us a lot in 
<clears throat> in uh, special teams, whether it be kick, just kick return or a punt return or both. Uh, I don't know how that will turn out, but I'm hoping and I I do feel that he is a perfect fit to – because we do – you know, we lost Randall Cobb, so we do need the uh, the special teams help as well. Now, one thing I can also add is where he'll be at kind of in the – through most of Dak's progressions, he's going to be that fourth or fifth guy. Obviously, Amari's number one. He's going to garner most of the targets. Michael Gallup took a major step forward last year. He's going to garner targets. He's going to deserve, you know, more targets going into this season. Blake Jarwin, I think, is going to pick up a lot of that over-the-middle work that we lost when we lost Randall Cobb. He was He's a better athlete than Jason Witten was at this point of his career. That's obvious. A little bit more dynamic playmaker out of the tight end position. Just signed the contract extension. So I think he's going to garner more targets coming into this season than the tight end position got last year. So I think he helps offset Cobb. So Mooney would not have to step in and just be, oh, you know, you need to be Randall Cobb. Because Randall Cobb had 900 yards receiving. He had 50-plus catches it's not fair to expect that from Mooney, but I don't think we would expect that from him. What I think we're expecting is a guy that can change a series in one play. It, you know, maybe you just run some bubble screens to him. Tavon Austin in the past, we tried to use him as kind of a gadget player in the offense. Now, obviously, that didn't work as well. Maybe we can use this guy here as that gadget player. Also, you know, just send him on some nine routes, too, with that speed, and then he can slowly develop the NFL techniques since he came from a smaller school. Yeah, I'm I'm like you. I'm not expecting him to be Randall Cobb. I don't want to come across as saying, hey, this guy's going to do exactly what Randall Cobb did last year. I'm not expecting that. <clears throat> but he just adds that speed element that we do not have. Our, the most speed that we have, we have Zeke and we have Amari Cooper as our big speed guys. If we can add a third guy in there to stretch the field a little bit better or, you know, more, uh, I think that's going to open our offense a lot. And, and, you know, even if he only has a, you know, a, a 30 or 30% snap share, uh, snap share per game, you know, I still think he can do some good. And maybe we won't see it this year. Maybe we'll see uh, – the player that we're looking for the following year. And, you know, your rookie year, especially coming in the fourth round, um, the expectations. You're, not, you're not expecting jump-off-the-wall numbers. I mean, that's just it, – it, it. most of the time it doesn't happen. I'm not going to say it doesn't, but I'm just saying most of the time it doesn't. Maybe, And you see it more the second year than you do the first. But And we're not asking for that. No, we're not. And I'm I'm hoping that my guy will translate to that. If it does, it does great. And if not, it won't be the first time. But, well, uh, with that, I guess we'll just go ahead and hit our fifth pickup. And, Abo, you want to go ahead and lead into that? Okay, with our first fifth-round pick, now we've got two. We've got this one. We've got a compensatory pick later on. With this pick, Seth and I decided to uh, beef up some depth on the offensive line. Now we lost Tra- we lost Travis Frederick to retirement. We also lost Connor Fleming in free agency to the New York Giants. So Seth and I, one of the things we talked about before this draft, this draft is falling really well to us because we wanted to hit defense 
heavy early. And then we wanted to add some speed on the offense, which we've done, and now we're going to add some depth to our offensive line. With this pick, we decided Michael on when you guard from Michigan. Now, his measurables are six foot three, weighing in between three hundred and forty and three hundred and fifty pounds. You know, we've had we've gotten different measurables. This guy is a road grader. Two time all Big Ten. 35 starts at the right guard position. Now, granted, the right guard position is solidified by Zach Martin, but we needed some offensive line depth in the middle. So I'm happy to get this guy here. Now, he's more known for his run-blocking ability, but we are still a physical run team, and I think that's how we're still going to proceed into this season with Kellen Moore returning as our offensive coordinator. Now, this guy pushes people backwards. He is an anchor at his spot. There are very few people in the NFL that are going to have the power to push him back. One weakness about him is he's a little bit slow out of his stance from time to time, and he can be beat with the inside speed moves. But he's not going to be a starter on the team. He's going to be backing up Connor Williams at left guard. He's going to be backing up Zach Martin at right guard. He's just not going to push either of them for time right away. But he can sit behind. He can learn. We've obviously shown that we can coach up offensive linemen. Seth, why don't you talk to me about this player and what you like? Yeah, I mean, everything you said is what I got written down here, everything that I like about this guy. And like you said, you know, uh, the speed rushers are going to give him a little bit of problems because it's footwork, but footwork can be taught. Uh, And like you said, you know, he's a big body big frame guy and you know if he gets his hand on you he's gonna he's gonna move you out of the way yeah and another thing is uh you know this guy played from michigan you know he played in the big 10 he played against nfl caliber players you know ohio state and uh penn state michigan state you know big schools like that so uh you know you noticed further earlier in the draft that we took some smaller school guys, but this guy is definitely not from a small school. He's he's played top NFL competition, and I, I think it's a great pick. He did mainly play the right guard position, but I do feel that you know he can play uh, the left side, and he did not play any center. Um, so we didn't necessarily cover the depth there, but any. Uh, interior line depth is good depth and you know Connor Williams you know he struggled with injuries over his career and you know that this just uh you know adds a little more depth you know in case of you know if he's maybe he's over his injury woes maybe he's still you know but we have that depth regardless now another thing I'll add Seth is the biggest thing that Connor Williams has struggled with in the NFL besides injuries as he's been beat by the power guy in the NFL. This guy is not going to be overpowered by many in the NFL. Even though he doesn't play the center position, like you said, he gives us uh, depth at the left guard and the right guard position. He did play some left guard earlier in his college career, but he established himself at that right guard position and, and stayed there, which I don't think is a negative. It showed that he played well at at right guard, so they left him there. They didn't have to move him around and try to find a spot for him. So he did play some left guard earlier in his college career, so it shows that he can play there. And while he doesn't play center, 
we still have some depth at that position. We still have Connor McGovern that we took in the third round last year out of Penn State. So we still have Joe Looney as a um, projected starter with Connor McGovern backing him up. We have Connor Williams at the left guard. We have Zach Martin at the right guard, well-established all-pro right guard. Hopefully he can come in and push Connor Williams to take that next step. So then he just does provide valuable depth because in today's game you have to have depth. How many times do teams on the goal line go to that jumbo set? You know, I mean, we've got Zeke. If if we're on the two- or three-yard line, defenses know what's coming. And right now we, we really don't have the depth to do that. So that's why we're adding these players to uh, – and like you said, even if he plays, you know, if he has to jump to the left guard and play, you know, you got Tyrone Smith right beside you. That, you know, that's always going to make matters a lot easier. Now, you and I have talked on earlier episodes how it's easier when you have multiple Pro Bowl talents along the offensive line. It, it can help shore up maybe a spot that's not as – you know, not as sure. So even if he comes in and he's not a pro bowler and he's not an all-pro talent right away, should he have to step in for like a Connor Williams? Like you said, he's still lining up beside Tyron Smith. He's still lining up beside Joe Looney at the center position. And those are proven players that have done it at the NFL level. Yeah, and um, I think we've uh, pretty much covered him pretty well. And I was going to go ahead and jump to the next pick. Uh, our our second fifth pick, which is a complimentary pick, is pick 179. We decided to go Cameron Clark from Charlotte. Uh, another uh, big guy, he's 6'4", what, 300 to 310 pounds. Uh, he mainly played left tackle when he played for Charlotte, but we drafted him as a swing tackle because, uh, as Cowboy fans, you know that we lost Fleming and we don't really have any depth at the left tackle position right now. Uh, he was a three-year starter. You know, he's a big frame guy, long arms, big hands. Uh, he's got really good upper body strength as well. So, once again, that, that power run will come in. Uh, his run blocking will come into uh, good handy. Uh, uh, needs – Coaching on his footwork a little bit, but like I said before with uh, Michael Owenu, he uh, the footwork can be taught. Um, he's better as a run blocker, but I think he's uh, he's good enough to fill in as a pass blocker as well, but I, I think he really excels the most as a run blocker. And that's the way our team is built, even though last year we did – pass the ball a lot more, but, you know, our team the last four years or so has always been a run-first team, and I I think this is uh, sharing up our depth pretty good. What do you think, Abo? Okay, here are my notes, Ed, just to show that you were copying off me. I have three-year starter. I have known more for his run blocking than his pass blocking. Another thing you didn't add is he's a fifth-year senior, so he had another year um, at the collegiate level. And – the hope with this player is that we take some of that raw potential along with his experience playing and we can kind of coach all that stuff up. We don't want him to be starting this year. 
You know, no, no, we don't. We have Tyron Smith, Pro Bowl player. I would still argue one of the top two or three left tackles in the game. The injuries are starting to mound up, and that is the only thing that holds him back. And at the right tackle position, we have Lionel Collins. And while he went undrafted, he was a first-round player but had some background issues leading into the draft. Now, those have since gone away, and we have given him a contract extension that he has earned with his play. There were times last year when he was the best offensive lineman on the field. Now, with a Travis Frederick, with a Zach Martin, with a Tyron Smith, if you can be the best offensive lineman on the field, that says something. So Cameron Clark is just going to be depth behind Tyron Smith, behind Lionel Collins. Now, Lionel Collins played a lot of left tackle in the um, collegiate level two, and he has transitioned to the right tackle. There have been some rough spots, but we've shown that we can coach up offensive linemen. If you have the talent, we can teach you the technique, and we can get you to that next level. That's the hope here with Cameron Clark. Well, if you Speaking on the Collins situation, you know he did play a lot of left tackle at the collegiate level. When he first come in, he played guard for us and played really well for guard. That's what you know. When they decided to uh, draft Connor Williams, is when they decided to move him to the right side. And we definitely do know how to coach up offensive linemen because, um, like you said, he's excelled and he was at times our best lineman at points in the uh, year last year. Like you said, getting back on Clark. More known for his run blocking than his pass blocking, but with Kellen Moore back at the helm as offensive coordinator, I know with Mike McCarthy coming in, he likes to throw the ball all over the field with Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. Dak is obviously – we are still doing this draft thinking the Dak deal gets done. That's why we haven't looked at a quarterback yet. You know, a little hint, we don't take a quarterback – um, we think Dak's still going to be there, but we both understand that this offense runs better when Zeke's the bell cow, 20 to 25 touches a game, run first, set that play action up, and then that makes life easier on Cooper and Gallup. So I think taking another offensive lineman here that's known more for his run blocking than his pass blocking, it's still – that's what this offense is set up to do. Win with the run, and that makes the passing attack just that much more deadly. Now, Dak showed last year that he's more than capable of being that field general. But I think if we can go back to the team a couple years ago, run first, pass second, I think that's the direction we both want to see this offense take. Now, Seth, let's lead into our seventh-round pick, and why don't you uh, tell us the player we took and um, what you like about him. Yeah, with our uh, seventh and final pick at two at pick 231, we took Steven Sullivan, the tight end from LSU. Uh, look, this is another uh, big 6'5". He's 6'5", 248 pounds. Maybe he's a little bit small weight-wise, but I like the height here. Uh, you know, he's got big hands, so a lot easier to haul that ball in when you got them big hands, you know. Uh, I, 
the the staff at LSU, I wanted to point it out that they this they praised this guy for being a team first guy, which is gonna show with his uh stats he didn't have I think uh this past year I think he had ended up with two hundred and some odd yards uh receiving for the year. But um <clears throat> other than that, you know, I think he's a, a good addition to our team because we need that tight end depth. You know, right now we have uh, Blake Jarwin, who's projected to be our starter, and then we uh, we just signed a Blake Bell, but I think he's more of a uh, blocker, a blocker than he is a catcher. And then of course Schultz. You know, we drafted him a couple years ago, and he was no more of a blocker than a catcher. Uh, I think this guy will allow us to stretch the field as well because he's. Uh, a big, uh, fast guy. He ran a four six six, which was uh, the second uh, tight end at the combine. Uh, he's got good speed to work the seams. Uh, he does need some coaching to help utilize um, his full potential working the seams. Uh, overall, good blocker, especially on the screens and outside runs. Uh, I think I think he's just a good uh, a number two to put behind Jarwin. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? What would you like to add to that, Abo? This is another thing I'll add. He was a four star recruit coming out of high school, so the talent's there. We just need to coach him up a little bit, coach up the technique, and I think this allows Blake Jarwin to play in line. And and one thing that you and I have talked about for years as we see all these tight ends flexing out in the slot, the fast guys, the big guys, you know, the that strong speed freak on the outside that can change a game from the slot. We don't have that. I think Blake Jarwin's going to play more in line. This is a player that can move into that slot or line up in two tight end formations. Now, we use a lot of two tight end formations, so you need to have – two strong tight ends, and if we can get a second one out there that's also a receiving threat, when Dalton Schultz would come in, and it was kind of him and Jarwin, you kind of knew Schultz was going to be in blocking, helping chip defensive ends, and Jarwin was going to be the only one in the route. Now, this player, while he's not nearly the blocker that Schultz is, he's more dynamic in the receiving game, so he's going to be a threat. Another thing is he was a wide receiver in high school. He got recruited as a wide receiver. So he'll have that ability to line up in the slot. Or maybe we get creative with him since he has that wide receiver body to line him up outside, and then we can move Cooper in the slot or we can move Gallup in the slot. And it just – it allows for scheme versatility on offense. One of the things that people will say about him is the fact that Thaddeus Moss came in and took the starting position away from him. But that team-first mentality that you were talking about, he could have taken that demotion much worse than he did. Thaddeus Moss was a starter. Stephen Sullivan came in and did his job, and that team won – the championship this year. So that team first mentality that you were talking about, I think in the seventh round, if you can get a guy that's team oriented, also has some physical tools to be a dynamic athlete. You know, this late in the draft, this is when you take a chance on a prospect that has huge upside 
and a team-first mentality because I think that that's very important this year is keeping the chemistry going. You know, we've talked that we think that Dallas is on the doorsteps of competing for the NFC title, period. Um, So if you can get guys to buy into the scheme – Good chemistry, team first guys. This is someone that we can put in the locker room, can add something on offense, and also be a locker room guy. So, Seth, uh, why don't you give us some final thoughts on uh, Stephen Sullivan? Uh, you uh, pretty much took the words out of my mouth. Um, and you know, he is a guy from LSU, so he did play some top, you know, top competition, even though it was minimal after uh, Moss come in, but. It that doesn't matter. It was still against top competition. So, uh, and, and like you said, with the whole Schultz thing, you knew when he come in, he was going to be there for a blocker, and this this will allow uh, some creativeness on our offense. And being a team first guy, I really like this kid, and I think he's he's going to fit in pretty well with what we got going on here in Dallas. So. One last thing that I'll add on Stephen Sullivan before we move on is he had fallen kind of off the radar of um, teams just because he was behind Thad Moss this year. But he went to the combine, and like you said, he ran the second fastest 40 and showed some explosive traits from the tight end position. And in today's NFL, teams are looking for that explosive athlete the the basketball type player the former wide you know the big wide receiver you know so I will say that to his credit the fact that he went to the combine had a tremendous combine and I think that's put him back on NFL teams radars and that's our seven round mock draft using you know our picks again like Seth said there was no trading involved but um, the one thing that Seth and I talked about before we did this mock draft is you know, I've, I've said it before, we wanted to hit defense heavy early. We also wanted to add some speed and athleticism at the offensive skill position, and we wanted to add some offensive line depth. So I think we checked every single box on this draft. So, Seth, wh- what do you think? Did um, every player fall to us that you wanted, or was there maybe someone else you were looking at a different spot? And uh, why don't you just kind of talk to us uh, for – a few minutes about how you felt about the draft and uh, maybe a player you wanted here or there. Uh, Overall, I I am very happy with what we got. Uh, And, of course, in the previous episode, everybody knows uh, my first-round guy, I would have liked to have been C.J. Henderson. But he went number nine in this mock draft. And as we get closer to the draft, I'm saying that he's going projected – six to eight picks earlier than our pick uh you know the main reason why i like this guy is you know he's just he's a he's a big corner you know got good size great athleticism um i hate to beat a dead horse but he is uh he has that ball hawk mentality but you know as cowboy fans y'all know that we do not turn the ball over we haven't for the last what four or five years um and i feel like if we can add these ball hawk mentality players that it's gonna translate to more interceptions and i just i feel like we've been lacking on that for years but anyway 
He, uh, <clears throat> I mean, he's a good cover guy. He's got that great burst. Uh, you know, he's a, he's loose with the hips. He's able to, you know, turn and go up the field. He can. He's big enough to press the corners and get, you know, he's real physical at the line of scrimmage. And I think he just would be a great addition to our uh, our secondary. And and that's that's really all I got to say about him. Uh, Abo, I know there was a couple of guys that you were looking at, and uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about them. Well, to add to C.J. Henderson, um, I know that you want that number one corner with our first-round pick. Uh, we've talked in previous episodes about how I want that first-round pick to be a pass rusher, uh, defensive lineman, and you're looking to take um, the number one corner, obviously. I'm looking to replace Robert Quinn, who we lost to the Chicago Bears in free agency, and you're looking to replace Byron Jones, who we lost to the Miami Dolphins in free agency. The one thing I will say about C.J. Henderson, six foot one, 205, 210 pounds, had six picks in college, so he does have some playmaking ability, some ball hawking ability. He compares in size to Byron Jones. He's a little bit smaller than Byron Jones, but he, he's at least very comparable, long, lanky corner. So I will agree with you on, on all of your points. And should C.J. Henderson be the pick at 17, I will still be ecstatic. I, I'd want us to attack defense, and I think you want us to attack defense as well. So I would be very happy to have C.J. Henderson walk away with him as our first round. Yeah, player. I don't want to let anybody believe that I don't like the way this draft because I – I'm big on Clavion chasing as well. Uh, I I just want people to know that I that that's who I wanted, but I'm very ecstatic with what we ended up with. To to add on um, a couple people that I looked at um, at our fourth round pick, I discussed that Seth and I had talked about a couple different receivers uh, before we made our pick. The guy I was looking at was um, Gabriel Davis out of uh, Central Florida, six foot two, two hundred and twelve pounds. Now he is a prototypical outside receiver. One of the reasons why we decided to take Darnell Mooney is the fact that Gabriel Davis is more just locked in outside, whereas Mooney allowed us that inside outside versatility. Michael Gallup has some inside outside versatility, as well as Amari Cooper. Some of Amari Cooper's biggest plays have come out of the slot so that's why we decided on Mooney um, but just a couple things on Gabriel Davis since I did like the player um, like I said he big body receiver physical at the point of attack can go up and catch the contested ball we've got that with Michael Gallup so I think I was just looking to add another player of a similar size and a similar physicality but I would be more than ecstatic to walk away with Mooney as well that that Seth made Seth convinced me that Mooney was the pick purely based off that speed and that game changing ability, making our offense more of an offense that can beat three or four plays to a drive as opposed to the grinded out offense that we've been the last four or five seasons. And one other player that I was looking at in the fifth round where we took Cameron Clark, a player that Seth and I debated on back and forth I wanted to choose Javaris Davis, corner out of Auburn, five foot nine, 186 pounds. I wanted to add to the defense. As you can tell, 
the way I keep talking, I want to just keep hammering that defense because I think our offense is locked, loaded, and ready to roll. And, um, you know, I'm comfortable with our starters on the offensive line. So I was looking at Javaris Davis here. He was a four-year starter at Auburn, so playing in the SEC, he's going to be playing against some big-time talent. He had eight picks in his career, so another guy that has some ball-hawking, playmaking um, ability. So that's you know that's one of the reasons why I looked at at him and um, he compares a little bit to Jordan Lewis with the size, the weight, the speed. And Jordan Lewis is a player that I, I've liked ever since we drafted him out of Michigan. So that that would be just another player in a similar mold. And um, but I will say you know I was extremely happy with how this draft fell to us. I think we checked. Every single box, you know, the three I talked about, defense early, speed on offense, and then offensive line depth. So if if this is how we walked out of the draft with these seven players, um, I would walk away thinking it was a successful draft. And, um, Seth, I think you agree with me there. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Like you said, I think we covered every uh, part of defense and part of the offense that we wanted to cover in – like I said previously, I'm I'm very happy with the way things turned out, and hopefully they'll turn out just as good uh, Thursday. Exactly. Now the draft, uh, this is uploading on Sunday, so we have just four days until the NFL draft. Now obviously with what's going on in the world, it's going to be a little bit different than, than what we're used to seeing. But I know I'm excited just to, you know, see some football, see some of these high-end prospects that we've been looking at for the last – several months you know senior bowl combine we didn't get the as many private workouts with schools uh that we're used to but um I think we're all just ready for football so we'll have to see how Thursday goes I'm fairly confident that the NFL is going to still put on a premier product you know they've been working on it they've said the last couple weeks trying to make this virtual draft um the best that they can make it yeah, I'm, I'm looking for a wild night, uh, well, a wild draft, you know, all together. Because, like you said, you don't know um, how the draft is going to turn out. I mean, it ain't but one, it, it takes one trade to completely blow it wide open. So, we'll you see know, what this this time a couple years ago, you know, a lot of people thought that Sam Darnold was going to be the number one overall pick to Cleveland. You know, they went to his pro day. The GM loved the player. And then just out of nowhere, you know, just one or two days before that there was talk and pretty much confirmation that Baker Mayfield was going to be the guy. So as we get closer to the draft, there's going to be a lot of buzz. And we'll just have to see, you know, what's true and, and what's buzz. And, and like you said, there's going to be that one trade or, or that one team moving up or that one team moving back that you didn't expect or even that one player going 10, 15 picks earlier than, than than the standard draft has been projecting them at to just flip the draft on its ears. So um, You might also see that Aaron Rodgers player drop, you know. One of those happens almost every single year. Yeah. You know, last year, you know, a lot of people thought DK Metcalf was going to be a first-round wide receiver. You know, big, physical, fast, you know, you and I both thought he was going to be a first-round wideout. He was both of our wide receiver one going into last year. And, of course, he slipped to Seattle. And, obviously, it worked out for him because he fell to the perfect spot. Yeah, that's just, that's one thing you know that 
nothing is certain. Uh, we still got, what, four days until the draft. A lot of things can happen, and we'll just see how it unfolds. But, you know, obviously this was our mock draft episode, and next week we'll be coming to you with a draft recap. We're going to take the Cowboys picks as made, any trades or anything that happens, and we'll break down the players um, taken at each spot, and, you know, we'll give our opinions on whether we like the pick, hated the pick, loved the pick, loved the trade, hated the trade. Um, so I'm excited to bring that to you and just see what the Cowboys front office does to take a team that I think is right on the cusp and try to find some players that will take us to the next step of not just winning the division but winning playoff games. You know, we haven't been a football team that's been known for winning playoff games for two decades. Yeah, I just want to get back to them glory days just like everybody else does. You know, I want to see some playoff wins, and I think we got our a good core of players that we have for long term, and we just need to add uh, a few more players to the pot and get that thing stirring up, and let's see what we got. We want to thank everyone for checking out this podcast and supporting us, and uh, we just hope everyone's still being safe out there. It's obviously still a lot of uncertainty with what's going on in the world, and um while it looks like the numbers are starting to come down a little, we still hope that everyone's staying inside, staying safe, still practicing social distancing, and um, hopefully we come out of this thing together and can get back to, you know, living our normal day-to-day lives. Now, while you're inside practicing that social distancing and maybe while you have a little more time on your hand than you normally have, um, while you're continuing to support this podcast, please support some of the other fantastic podcasts that are on the network. We've got the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Jets, the Browns, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Texans, the Raiders, the Cardinals, the Packers, the Giants, and the Eagles. So if you want to know more about those teams, then please support those podcasts the way you continue to support us. And also listen to the Back Row Fantasy Show, hosted by Jeremy Barker. He's the host of the Dolphins podcast as well. And once again, I'll say he was the one that came up with this concept of 32 different teams each having a podcast to give the fans just content of just their favorite team. So please give all those um, podcasts a listen. They're fantastic hosts. And you know, they support us, and so we want to do the best we can to support them. And also, Seth, while we're talking, why don't you give everyone your social media account? It's at SethRob85. And I'm at A underscore Bo615. Both of those are on Twitter, and uh, we can answer any Cowboys um, questions. We're also both avid fantasy football players. We would love to get your fantasy football questions, and we'll do our best to help you there as well. And, um, Until next week's episode, when we do our draft breakdown, we hope everyone has a great NFL Draft Thursday, and also everyone is uh, staying safe, and uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good night.